I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Hey there, and welcome to episode 37 of Voice First Health. Uh, So pleased to have you along for today's episode. If you have been following along, then you know that I love to bring on guests with incredible perspectives on what is going on in the Voice First space and of course at the intersection with healthcare. And today, we've turned the tables a little bit. I was recently invited to be a guest on the Happy Doc podcast, which is produced by Dr. Taylor Branna. And their tagline, I love their tagline, the tagline is the voice of fulfilled physicians. So they aren't necessarily a voice technology podcast, but they amplify the voices of physicians that are doing really interesting, creative Um, really fulfilling things in their lives, perhaps outside of their regular medical practice. And as I said, uh, Dr. Brandon invited me to go on to talk about voice technology and uh, what I am doing in this space. And he was very gracious enough to allow me to share that podcast episode uh, with you, the listeners of Voice First Health. Really, the focus of this is voice technology, and you get to hear some of my thoughts about where I think we are going in this space. So I thought it would be a really great opportunity to share this with you, the listeners of my podcast. And by the way, if you are interested in hearing the voices of more fulfilled physicians, then definitely check out uh, the Happy Doc podcast as well. All right. So here is a recording of the interview that I did with Dr. Taylor Branna. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Doc. I'm so excited for our next guest. It's going to be amazing as always. I'm here with Dr. Terry Fisher. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much. Uh, I'm really excited to be part of this podcast. Awesome, awesome. So um, something that's been going on in our own podcast and and learning and education lately has been uh, a deep dive into voice and voice technology. Um, Neil and I, if if you guys don't know, Neil's another member of our team, um, have been diving into voice technology. We actually started to create our own um, A-L-E-X-A or Lexi application <laughs> you got or, it. or you skill. Got it. Um, I, I said it like that on purpose because I don't want the my device to go off. Um, so we're really excited about that. And Dr. Terry Fisher, we're going to have a great conversation around this, has also dove into this technology. Um, before we get into all of that, um, Dr. Terry, tell us a little bit more about your background um, in terms of obviously you're, you're not in the States, so let's learn a little bit about where you're, where you're from um, and how you got interested in medicine. All right, sounds good. So yeah, you're right, I'm, uh, I'm not in the States, I'm a Canadian, uh, born and raised in Canada. I'm out in Vancouver on the West Coast and uh, I lived here, well, like I say, I was born in Vancouver. I moved to the east side of Canada to do uh, my undergraduate degree at McGill University in uh, Montreal. And, uh, and then I moved back to the West Coast where I did, uh, well, I did some research. I did a master's degree. I actually did an education degree, one of my passions. We can get back to that. So um, mm-hmm. I became a, a high school science teacher and did a whole two months of student interning as a high school teacher before I went into medical school. And... Uh, and then after medicine, when I graduated, I did family medicine. I did a family medicine residency, and then I did a uh, sports medicine fellowship. And currently, I work at UBC, the University of British Columbia, in the student health uh, clinic, looking after the students and varsity athletes. I work with uh, the um, minor league affiliate baseball team for the mm-hmm. Toronto Blue Jays here as one of their primary care physicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, that's sort of my medical background, but I'm a real techie at heart. And that's where, uh, you know, one of my big passions comes in. Amazing. Amazing. So just out of curiosity, uh, do you, do you work with, with the athletes? Do you work with specific sports or are you working with all the sports of a variety of, you know, backgrounds? So at the UBC clinic, uh, UBC is quite a large university here in Canada, probably mm-hmm. one of the biggest. Um, and so they, or, or we have, just about every sport that you could imagine that a, that a university would have or a college would have. Yeah. So I work with all those athletes. Um, so it's a variety of sports. Um, as far as working with the team, a professional team, I work specifically with this baseball team. Um, 
So, Amazing. Yeah. Great. No, that's, that's awesome. No, I was, uh, I was an athlete myself. So I, uh, I actually competed in gymnastics. So I have oh, wow. a, yeah. So I used to do gymnastics and, you know, I, you know, one of the things that like I loved was the fact that our school had like a, a physical, you know, they had a physical therapist and they had a physician on staff and, um, I like it, without that train, without the trainers and, and the facility, I mean, you just, you just can't work, you know, you can't train at the top level. So, um, I have much appreciation from a personal level for people like you. So thank you. Um, That's great. Yeah. And, and the athletes generally are such a great group of people to work with because they're mm -hmm. all very motivated to get better. So, uh, you know, for the general population, it's often an, uh, a, a struggle to get people to live healthy, to exercise, to eat well. And for the athletes, it's oftentimes like, whoa, you're doing too much. Don't work yeah. so much. Don't, don't work out so much. You got to take a step back. But anyway, it's, it's great fun. Great, great group of people to work with. Totally. Totally. So, I mean, I, we could have a whole conversation about athletics, but um, so <laughs> to, to gear this towards uh, what I'd really love to talk to you about. So I actually went on your website um, and I was, yeah. I was doing some digging and yeah. there's this, you know, it's interesting because we talk about, you know, a lot of the podcasts about like United States healthcare disparities and issues, but Canada has its own set of issues. And so I was reading a little bit about the article you had up there about um, how it's just so difficult, for example, to, to have a patient get into the system. It's just difficult yeah. to even get in there. So you talked about yeah. having the right healthcare at the right time, at the right place, you know? Yeah. And, and so tell us, tell me a little bit about like th that thought process and, and how voice technology comes into play. That's a great, great question. So yeah, for, for, for the listeners or the viewers that may not realize that Canada um, I mean, I'm very proud of our healthcare system in the sense that, yeah, it's a publicly funded system. Everybody can have access to it, but it certainly creates problems. And one of the issues really is, as you mentioned, is the access. And I can, I can give you an example of this. My mom had a, uh, at the time, actually, we thought it was a, um, some issues with her spine. She was having really bad back pain radiating down her leg. It turns out it's her hip. But, but the issue was she needed to go and see her family doctor. Her family doctor is so busy and so overworked that she was told that she could have an appointment approximately six weeks out from when she was making the appointment. That's how long it would take to get in to see her family doctor. Or she was told that if you were somehow able to make it down to the office at 930 at night, she would be able to be seen in about a week to 10 days. And so imagine a woman who's older, who's got limited mobility because of pain, and these are her options. It's, it's, it's like it's unthinkable. Yeah. So that's a, that's an example of the limited access, and that's a theme throughout the Canadian healthcare system: is that physicians are overworked, physicians are burning out. Um, it's extremely hard for the patients to get access. Mm -hmm. And lots of people have had lots of ideas over the years about how we can change this. And mm -hmm. you know, is the um, you know when when. EHRs, EMRs were first introduced. Is that going to change? Is that going to make it easier for doctors? And hasn't. And lots of ideas have been thrown at, at, the, at the system. What I'm really excited about now is I think for the first time, um, really in, in, in my reflection, or since I was even a medical student, I think we're on the verge of something that can really transform healthcare to a major, major degree. And that kind of gets back to your question about like voice technology. And that's, that's ultimately what we're talking about here. Um, you know, Voice technology, well, look, can go a different, couple different ways with this, but getting back to your question about like the right care at the right time at the right place. Mm -hmm. It's often been said that, that a really good, efficient healthcare system has those three components. So you're getting the right care, because if you don't have the right care, you know, nothing else matters. You gotta be getting the right care. It's gotta be at the, at the right time. So if somebody needs urgent care, they've gotta be able to access it urgently. You know, conversely, if somebody doesn't need to be seen urgently, then they can wait a week or two or whatever the case may be. Um, and at the right place. Should that be, should the right place be the emergency department? Should it be a family doctor's office? And I can tell you again, from personal experience, I know patients that because they can't get into their family doctors, they choose to go to the emergency department. Mm -hmm. And that obviously is way more costly to the system than going to see a family doctor. Here's where I think voice technology can transform what we're doing. When you can start putting these devices that we're coming to known as, you know, Amazon, I'm not going to say the word, Lexi, uh, Google Assistant, and other ones, Samsung Bixby's coming out, and Microsoft Cortana to a lesser degree. Um, but these, the, the idea is the voice assistants. When you can start 
to have interaction with the voice assistant in the home, it can start to actually provide you with care. So, it, it, and we can get into that, but it can mm-hmm. provide you with care in your home. It can provide you with the right time for that care, meaning the voice assistant can actually act as a triage nurse in your home, depending on what your symptoms are. And it can also give you guidance as to where the right place would be, would, would be to go to get that care, almost like a tour guide. You know, for this problem, you go to this one place. For this problem, you go to another place. And the really remarkable thing about this is that this is all happening in your home. Personalized, decentralized medicine. And if you expand that and imagine that that's going to grow and explode throughout our communities, our society, the more people that get these devices, they now have their own personal healthcare provider, triage nurse slash tour guide for the healthcare system in their own homes. And when you start doing that, you can start to allocate the resources that much more efficiently. And all of a sudden, the pressure on the healthcare system, the overworked facilities, the overworked, the overcrowded facilities, the overworked healthcare providers, um, that can be eased because the, because the the resources are being allocated that much more effectively if the person even needs to leave their home in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I see how we're we're poised to have a radical transformation uh, in this area. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, this topic is so ginormous that there's so many directions I can go with this. So the first thing, you know, for people who are fresh into this, who aren't as familiar, what I think the first response often is, is fear. So before we start to go into the direction of what these technologies could do, what I'd be interested in hearing from you is, what is some of the pushback or concerns that people are talking about when it comes to voice? Because medicine traditionally is a very conservative field, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're mm-hmm. nervous about how technology affects us. We're nervous about, you know, security and those things. And, and you know, often for good reason. I was actually listening to uh, a podcast with Dr. Mark Shapiro and Eric Topol. Um, he had this mm-hmm. book called uh, Deep Medicine that just came out not mm-hmm. too long ago. Um, I just downloaded, haven't listened to it yet. But there, there, there is concern because the tech people like us who really enjoy technology, we, we, I mean, even though we're in the physician side, I think we both like, like to see the future. It's very exciting. Right. But that comes at a cost. So what are some of the fears, you know, especially since you've, you know, kind of went into the space, what are some of the fears you're hearing? Yeah. I think the biggest one that, uh, that comes up is, is um, privacy. You know, and the fear that these things are spying on me, they are listening to me when I don't want them to be listening to me, and so on. I mean, even that is a big topic, and there's a lot of different aspects there. Um, I think that, first of all, companies are doing what they can to protect privacy in the sense that, and I can speak about Amazon. I know I know the most about the Amazon sort mm-hmm. of ecosystem. Sure. Um, Notice the way the devices are designed. They, they, they turn on a light when they're listening. They turn off a light when they're not listening or when they're waiting for a response. Um, you can go in through and, and delete your, your um, utterances, as they're called, if you want to. But what, what I find really fascinating is whenever a new technology comes out, like this voice technology, I agree with you. I mean, people are apprehensive at the beginning. They're not sure what it's all about. But I kind of, you know, when somebody says to me, I'm, I'm scared of this thing spying on me. I will often then turn back to them and say, do you have a cell phone? And that, you know, you know yeah. 99% of the time they go, yeah. And I say, well, does your cell phone, do you use your cell phone for email? Most people do. Do you use your cell phone for texting? Most people do. Do you use your, do you use your cell phone to get GPS coordinates and help you get around? Yes. Do you take photos with your cell phone? Yes. Your cell phone knows way more about what you're doing and what you're saying than any voice assistant does at, at this stage, at least. Right. Um, and when I say that, they kind of think about it like, oh, I didn't really realize that. Um, and so people are very comfortable with their cell phones talking to their doctors about private things or making appointments or discussing their medical history. But the idea of talking about a medical problem to a voice assistant right now seems very, very foreign when in fact, it's probably less likely to capture some of the more personal information where you live who your family members are, because when you, when you use your phone, you've got contacts, you've got emails, shows who you're communicating with. There's so much more that could be discovered through your cell phone than through um, a voice system. When I present it like that, it makes people pause and think about it. Yeah, 
That's that's a really good example because I mean a lot of people already have their lives on their phones, especially like uh, my generation and younger who grew up with all of this technology. Like it was just natural for us. I mean, uh, yeah, you're taking photos and videos of everything. You have all of your contacts, like you talked about. Yeah, I, I did not think about it in that way. The other thing that's interesting now, which got released not too long ago, maybe was it maybe a month ago, the whole HIPAA compliance um, capabilities on um, ALEXA. Um, and uh, do, do you know how that's moving just yet? Have you talked to anyone who's at the forefront of that in terms of how that's going to be different? Or, or are we still trying to figure that out? I, I think at this stage is still very early. We're still really trying to figure a lot of that out. I mean, you're right. It's been released. It's still not readily available to everybody. Right. There's, it's, you know, it's by invitation. Um, but certainly that is a huge development. That is one of the things that people have been waiting for for a long time now for, for Lexi because, um, you know, I kind of think of it as right now you can do superficial things. If you want mm -hmm. to use a medical term, you can ask questions and get information. But to really get a, a sort of a deeper dive into personalized medicine it had to be HIPAA compliant and now it is at least, you know, it's moving forward. Right. So this is going to be really exciting. I, it's hard to really comment a lot about that on this, right. uh, at this stage. So. No, absolutely. I mean, it, it, and to speculate about something, uh, again, like your mind can go so many directions, very difficult actually. I mean, yeah, you, you could go on and on about it. So, so what are some, now we, we talked about some of the um, implications of this a little bit. What are some technologies or ideas that you've seen either already created or you're excited about in the future that could really, like you said, make an impact in healthcare? What are those things? I love that. I love that question. <laughs> All right. So here, how about this? I'll paint the scenario for the way <laughs> things are now and I'll paint the scenario of potentially how things could be not too distant future, not too, not in the too distant future. Right? So let's say you wake up in the morning and you, you, you wake up and you're not feeling well, you've got a sore throat, you're coughing. Um, you're not sure what's going on. Maybe you're, maybe you feel like you've got a fever. You're shivering in bed, and you know if you get up and you really feel crappy, you start thinking, okay, what am I going to do? Maybe you've got some kids now. You have to make arrangements for that to get them to school. You're thinking, I feel pretty sick. I should actually go see my doctor. Um, so you know you start making phone calls, calling to work, um, call your doctor. Hope at least in the Canadian healthcare system, hopefully you can actually get an appointment, which is extremely hard. Mm -hmm. Drag yourself out, get into your car, drive to your doctor, sit in the waiting room, shivering, maybe infecting your next you know, the person sitting next to you. Go into the room, get the history, physical exam done. Maybe the doctor thinks you might have strep throat, takes a throat swab, gets results, sends you off for some antibiotics, go back home, crawl, crawl to bed. It's a big ordeal. Mm -hmm. Here's what I think is coming down the pipe, and I think sooner than we recognize. You wake up in the morning. You say to your device, good morning. The device now starts to hear the change in your voice through something known as vocal biomarkers, which I think is a fascinating area that we can talk about more if we want to do. Um, but it's basically analyzing the, your voice algorithms. It knows that something is wrong because your voice has changed. It starts to become proactive and starts to ask you questions about what could be going on. So it essentially starts to take a medical history at that time. You go through the history with your device. Your device using the AI algorithms that are hopefully evidence-based, it comes up with a probability and it says that your provisional diagnosis with the highest probability is strep throat. At that point, it says to you, you know, do you feel like you can go into work or not? You maybe say no. It says, okay, I will call in to your work and I will tell your work for you. This is what's going on. Perhaps you've got some kids and it says, you know what? I'll call your contact and see if we can arrange for your kids to be picked up. So you don't have to worry about, worry about that. Your assistant does that. Then your assistant says, you know what? Because I think this might be strep throat. Um, how about we send a rapid strep test to your home right now? So this is something that Amazon is going to be doing pretty soon. I think that's the, the, uh, the prediction. I think it's quite realistic because they're working so much on same-day delivery. Mm -hmm. So imagine this. Oh, my gosh. You say, yes, yes, I need a rapid strep test. So uh, Lexi arranges for this. You have a drone, flies that rapid strep, te strep test to your house. It lands outside your door. You go, you pick up that strep test. You enable it to your Wi-Fi network. Your Wi-Fi network then uh, is connected to Lexi. Lexi guides you through doing the test on yourself and analyzes the results. It then tells you that, yes, you have a positive strep test and you need antibiotics. So what does it do? It then arranges for a prescription to be delivered to your door within the next hour. 
it knows your medical history. It knows your allergies. It knows what medications you're on. And so it, it sends you something that is appropriate for you. Personalized medicine. It then you then go outside, you take, you get, you get the uh, prescription, you start taking the prescription. Lexi then monitors your recovery, gives you medication reminders of when you should be taking it. Periodically, it asks you questions and is looking for complications of strep throat. And at any point, if there's any kind of concern about that, it then alerts you to that and can make an appointment with your doctor for you. You have not left your home. You have received personalized care, excellent care, and it has been decentralized and you've taken pressure off the healthcare system. That's one example. That is a wild example. Um, in so many ways, um, I mean, from efficiency to safety to proper utilization of resources and all of those things. I guess the only, you know, again, and I'm, I'm actually like a proponent of technology. The only pushback I hear uh, in yeah. that conversation is how is this, you know, again, without the human component, how is this sort of technology when people think about medicine, they often, often want to have the okay by a physician, right? They want to have, they want to have someone signing off um, also from like a, almost like a liability standpoint in some yeah. ways. So, so is there any way that there's a kind of a physician confirmation? I, I mean, again, this is all speculative. I get it. I mean, again, and it sounds amazing and also genius from the, uh, the Amazon standpoint, by the way, just really. Um, but yeah, is there any, is there any involvement in how we kind of bridge the, the voice tech and also have the human component in there? Or are we still, is, have you heard any conversation around that? Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Um, I don't pretend to have all the answers to that one. Sure. Um, you know, but, but I think that as with any type of technology, so, somebody's going to be on the hook for the liability. Yeah. Right? And I think people are going to have a choice as to which skill or which application they're going to choose to subscribe to, perhaps. Right. Um, but at the end of that, there is a physician or somebody that needs to be signing off on this. Now, when people ask me about this, I say, well, you know, when you go to your doctor's office, sometimes you, your doctor may assign a nurse to do mm -hmm. some type of procedure or take you know, take on some aspect of your care. Right. The doctor is ultimately responsible for that, but they have assigned that to a, to a different person, to a surrogate. Mm -hmm. Now it's different in some ways, but it's also the same in some ways. Could a doctor assign that responsibility to a voice assistant if the doctor is confident in the type of information that they're going to get from that voice assistant? Mm -hmm. The doctor would, in that scenario that I just painted, the doctor still is going to be ultimately responsible for that. And then that's going to come down to how much confidence does that doctor have in that voice assistant, which then comes down to what is the AI? What are the algorithms based on? Is it evidence-based? Mm. Is it, so, you know, that's one option. One op Another option is maybe the skill is actually put out by a hospital, right? It's a service that a hospital provides. So I don't know. Yeah. But those are some of the, some of the ideas. I mean, it, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, the, the picture you just painted, I mean, from start to finish is just so, so efficient and the tech knowing you as a human needing like, okay, you're sick. Okay. You're not going to be able to go pick up your kids, text them or text a service to pick them up. Like it, it, it can do so many things instantly that would take you minutes or hours, especially if you're sick and you're tired, you really want to spend the time trying to coordinate all these things. The efficiency factor is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it makes sense, especially if everything's synchronized and all that. So the ramifications are huge. Um, and, and the, the cost savings are huge. The one thing I was hearing again, um, from pushback in terms of a lot of this stuff is, for example, when it comes to money and efficiency, would this mean that because things are so efficient, a physician like yourself or myself is going to be even more responsible for a larger set of population, for example, and have to, you know, do a lot of these little micro decisions as, as opposed to maybe seeing as much patient time. Does that make sense? Because now it's capturing a lot more data. Um, I, I wonder if that's going to be uh, an issue in the future. But again, like that's just speculating at this point. Yeah, it's speculating. It's, it's again, it's a really good point. You know, is that it, it's hard to imagine how yeah. that will actually play out. Um, I would hope in an, you know, in an ideal situation 
that there would be enough confidence in these types of devices that the physician really doesn't, the physician's responsible, but th they're not actually having to double check every single little right. decision that the device is making. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that will play out. Yeah. And, and it's funny too, because as I'm asking these questions, I'm thinking in my own mind, I have a bias to think that humans are somehow less error prone. Do you know what I mean? When in fact, if it's, if it's straight programming, it's actually probably going to be a lot more accurate in many ways. Um, the only other thing that comes up to, in my mind is kind of uh, false positive testing where we're testing a little bit too much at home and maybe things come up and then it goes down a stream of thought where, okay, this test is positive. Now we have to do, you know what I mean? So there, there are those yeah. things too. Uh, but, but I, I, it is interesting. And now we're just talking about the voice components. That's not even going down the line of like wearables and how that's going to synchronize right. artificial intelligence and how those, you know, right. internet of things like different devices connecting to different devices and how that, so it, it just the the possibilities are the possibilities are endless. So I mean it, it is it is uh, you know a ridiculous topic. It really is, and I, I now I understand you know completely why you have to have a podcast dedicated to this because there is just so much to talk about. So talking about your podcast, you've had many guests, right? And you have uh, I saw you have three podcasts rolling out at the same time, by the way, which I think is. You know, I'm doing one and I can, I find it difficult. So first off, like kudos to you for doing that. <laughs> um, in terms of the voice technology, I mean, we can't, we can't flush this out completely. What are, what are some of the top guests you've had or, or what are some of the, the top technologies you've, you've listened to and you're just like, pardon my French, you're just like, holy shit, this is amazing. What, yeah. are, what are you hearing that's like getting you very excited even now on the practical, like. 2019 level. Yeah, I, I think that goes back to, I mean, one of the things that has me the most excited and absolutely fascinated by is the idea of vocal biomarkers. Um, and so this is directly tied into voice technology. So if, if so for, for listeners of yours that may not know quite what vocal biomarkers are, the way I like to describe this is it's like metadata for voice. And what's metadata? Well, people are familiar with digital photography. Everybody takes digital photographs now. People may or may not, not know that when you take a digital photograph, in addition to capturing hopefully a beautiful photo, you, you also capture a lot of data about the photo. So meaning what was the aperture setting? What was the actual camera model? What was the shutter speed? Um, did you use a flash? Where were you? Um, all this kind of stuff that if you wanted to, you could go into the file and you could easily look that up. Hmm. Now, the thing is, whenever somebody speaks, there is vocal or there's, there's data. I like to call it the, the, uh, the metadata. Here's an example. If my son comes home from school one day and I ask him, hey, how was, how was school today? And he says to me, it was great, right? That's got one meaning. Now, if I, if, and then the next day, if he comes home from, from school and I ask him, hey, how was school today? And he says to me, it was great. It's the exact same words, completely different meaning. And you know what? You often hear this phrase, I can hear it in your voice. Right. Well, that has some true scientific basis because it, you, you, can, you can describe the difference. I would, there was a, you know, more, uh, more volume. The, I was speaking a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. I had a higher intonation. The prosody rate was different. Mm -hmm. the, there's a lot of actual data that, is, that can be captured about the way I'm saying something versus just the content. Now, how does this play into healthcare? This part is what I find fascinating. There's a company who did a study with the Mayo Clinic, and they were looking at having people just basically read some statements. And what they found was that th these were people that were going undergoing coronary angiograms. And they found a statistically positive correlation between certain changes in the way they said something and the risk of coronary artery disease. Wow. So what, I mean, really what that means is that you can listen to someone's voice and you can predict their risk of coronary artery disease. That's what it boils down to. They did another study that looks at people with CHF, congestive heart failure, and they actually found that there is a correlation between your, the way that people were expressing certain phrases and their risk of death. So what this really means is that you can listen to the voice using AI algorithms you can pick up certain changes and patterns and that can predict health outcomes. What that means, as far as I'm concerned, is I believe that voice 
is actually going to become the next vital sign. And that vital sign is non-invasive, like mm-hmm. less invasive than taking a blood pressure. You don't have to touch the person. You literally talk. And what's even interesting, more interesting, is that you can have your device at home do this 24 hours a day if you wanted to, listening to you in real time and predicting and alerting you when there are problems before they happen. That is fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, that that concept is just so next level. I mean, that that is just mind-blowing, honestly. What What is the term again for the, the way it's testing the voice? Vocal biomarkers is what they're known Vocal as. Vocal biomarkers. And, and, you know, personally for me in the, in the field of psychiatry, I mean, voice is something we pay attention to obviously a lot because a, a depressed voice, someone who sounds like down and exhausted, you know, is grumbling, oh, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just can't, you know, versus like, oh my God, I'm bouncing off the walls. You know, a manic voice versus a depressed voice, a, um, a schizophrenic patient that is unable to maintain topic and has loose associations and starts, you know, going on tangents. You know, the even just for psychiatric patients, for diagnosis, early diagnosis, for example, it's been tracking you for a while, and all of a sudden it's noticing a change in your speech patterns. Um, and the even the device, maybe your family has no, you know, concept of healthcare and those things, but your device knows your voice has changed. Maybe you're having early signs of schizophrenia, early onset, you know, or something's happening. I mean, that's, that's the other thing too, as, as we become more technology, uh, as we become more intertwined with technology, I mean, uh, it, tracking data over time for someone and then noticing those changes, we're just, we're, what you were kind of mentioning is just like the subtle, like uh, voice changes that your son comes in, you know, and there's a change in the voice acutely, but like on a chronic scale to, to look at those, the, the biomarkers as, as you're talking about the the ramifications again is just so ridiculous but the data to sift through that there's going to be so much data i mean the this is a it, that's that is a wild concept now uh, speaking of that are, is there any um are there any uh technologies or anyone who's working using these biomarkers just yet in a practical way now or is it still kind of conceptual in nature um there's a little bit of, a lot of it is in the research and you know development phase right now um there is actually an app out there right now that can analyze your emotion in real time. Literally, it's, I actually have it on my phone. And wow. you just turn it on, it listens to what you're saying, and as you're saying it, it gives you a, uh, a readout of what your, what your emotional state is. And just along the lines of what you're saying with psychiatry, I think this is a huge area for psychiatry. Right. Not, only for, not only for mood and, and monitoring mood and seeing if someone's in a crisis, but also um, cognitive decline, like dementia, Alzheimer's, That's a great uh, point. Parkinson's changes in the in the voice uh with with those issues and that's something that can happen slowly over time and at some point you know when it triggers that 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 uh, threshold that according to the ai there's something going on here it's time to alert the patient or the family or the doctor um so uh, like i said a lot of this isn't is in research and development right now right but i i don't think we're far off to start to see real real world implications of this Right. And I, and I also think about even the implications of preventative medicine, right? So if we're able to catch things early, or for example, it, it, like if, if we're gathering large patterns and sets of data, and now, for example, let's talk about cognitive decline, right? We're noticing that grandma, all of a sudden, is just, her reasoning is just not as good as it was before. It, it, there's a latency in the speech, not being able to recall there's a delay in the recall. We're, we're noticing that over time. And now the voice technology is saying, it like almost alerts the family or it alerts, you know, hey, maybe you should talk about this or what have you, right? And all of a sudden, prevention-wise, maybe we start using these different technologies or tests to sharpen the mind, you know? Like, I don't know, for example, the, the one program that comes off uh, up a lot here in the States is Lumosity is a big program. There's a bunch of like different cognitive tests that can like enhance your your memory and those, uh, I don't know if you've heard of like dual NBOC, there, there's, there's these different tests you can, doesn't matter. But it, but, but that would be interesting, right? If we're noticing those changes, can we implement a, uh, almost like a, for example, like, you know, with athletics, can we implement a training regimen for the mind, noticing the decline so we can reduce that overall um, impact that we're having on the, the, the mental health, for example. I mean, it's just, 
it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Like now, when I go and I speak about the stuff. It's like we could literally. I remember saying this. I, I was I was giving a keynote, and I literally looked around the room and I said, "We could stop at each person and ask you what your specialty is." It was a room of, of specialists, physicians, and we could sit here. We could probably brainstorm all day just for your specialty, the different ways that voice can impact it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's nuts. Yeah, I mean, to, to be to be honest, I mean, some company or whoever wants to actually go down the road of creating this, literally should look at every single disease state and every single specialty. They should have like this crazy master list, and each one you could just go off on. Possible like the there there's you know as we're talking about this you know obviously I know there's a huge opportunity in voice like uh, there's no denying that but like there's even more opportunity than I thought. So to be a little selfish here to talk about like the, the program we made with MedFlashGo, could you yeah. imagine if we could tell how confident the person was in their answer? Oh, that's great. Do you know what and I'm saying? Yeah. That would be very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You can always give them up. It's fun. It's fun to do this. Just yeah. brainstorm and yeah. think about it. It's like you could give them like a percentile, like, uh, you know, based on your tone of voice, you know, I sense that you're 80% confident and it would be interesting then to take that and actually then correlate that to how often they're correct and see what, oh my God. what their, what their uh, rate is like. Yeah. And then you could, and then you, you extrapolate that and all of a sudden you have vocal uh, biomarkers of what does it mean to be confident? Right. Yeah. So and, yeah. Really yeah. The, the whole thing is crazy. I mean, uh, that yeah, the amount of data you get get from this, the the ability to sense those biomarkers, the ability to see if that those biomarkers correlate. Maybe maybe when here's the other thing too, like maybe you could actually tell if someone's full of crap, right? Because there's there's people out there, right, who sound confident, but then when you fact check them, things don't add up, right? So maybe for for maybe for someone else, when they sound confident, they actually get the question wrong more often. Oh, that's interesting. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. For, for personality types, because certain personality types use confidence. Again, this is my psychology kind of brain thinking. Certain personality types use confidence actually as a facade because they're not confident. Certain people sound meek and uncomfortable when yeah. they're actually, they actually know. I'm, I'm going to go off on a small tangent here. There was a girl yeah. in my anatomy class. She's like, Taylor, can you help me study at the anatomy table? I don't know what this is. And she's trying to like, get information out of me. I believe that she didn't know what she was talking about. Later, I find out she gets a 100 on the exam. Kills me, right? Blows me out of the water. And she was just trying to extract information to learn more. So something like that, right? Um, so yeah, the it's just uh, voice, voice is interesting. And, and I think to correlate it to humans and psychology, I mean, every, every person's personal voice and the uniqueness of them uh, could really impact it. So yeah, it's, it's wild. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in, in terms of education, because I think we're both passionate about education, uh, are there any um, any things kind of coming up? Anything that you you've been excited about lately, or or see could that could really impact uh, the education space with voice? I mean, <laughs> well, there's so uh, much, but there's so well. I mean, I mean, there's so many different areas. I mean, I know that a lot of people are developing skills just to not just it's very important, but just for that purpose to educate people about a particular condition, right? So you have something, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, you can ask a skill to answer specific questions. What are the common symptoms? What should I do if I have this problem? You know, what are things I should look out for? Um, that can be done right now because you don't need HIPAA compliance. You're not giving any personal, um, uh, protected personal information there. Um, but to be honest, um, I love what you guys are doing. Oh, thank you. Uh, with MedFlashGo. Um, as I said, I'm a teacher and, um, uh, as you know, Taylor, and maybe some of the viewers and listeners will know, um, I recently uh, interviewed Dr. Desai, your your, uh, your partner, on on my podcast, and um, you know we had a really interesting discussion about how the voice technology is going to be part of the future, and how students, uh, whether they're medical students or anybody, right, people that start to learn how to study and how to use the technology to learn is going to put them in a better place going forward because this is the way the world's going. Just like kids, kids that are like, you know, right now that are growing up talking to voice assistants before they know how to read or write, that's going to be their world. Yeah. And so people that can embrace that and I think use that. And you guys have done a great thing in terms of, um, you know, sharing that way of learning with medical students through your, through your skills. So I think that's great. 
Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, and you know, something that comes to mind, again, this actually just like spurred in my mind as we're talking about all this. I, I think it's going to be like, this could be huge in and of itself. How, how competent are people actually? And when we use those voice uh, biomarkers, as we were talking about, if, if we could figure out, like, if I could figure out when you say something confidently, does that mean you actually know it? And, and we can actually see that honestly, I actually, I actually think this could impact us making us more honest because um, for example, like I, I think about like the, the certain employments and businesses, they do like the 360 degree sort of uh, review of you where they have all right. the different employees of you watching you. Well, when you're using this technology, you either get the question right or you don't. And then how you voiced it um, and how you express it. Now, here's the difference. So if you're speaking to a robot, do you really talk to the robot as you would to human? But that's a that's another thing aside there. That's but, interesting because you just made me think of this app that I'm talking about that can check your even like uh, it's not exactly the same thing. But the right. idea is similar where imagine if in an interview, the interviewer and I don't know the legality of the <laughs> If the interviewer had some type of device that was assessing your emotional state during the interview and tell, and, and it could tell you, like the interviewer looks down and says, uh, he looks pretty, um, you know, confident right now, or conversely, you know, he looks pretty unsure of himself right now and what he's saying and that sort of thing. Right. I mean, so, so with the voice by, well, here's another thing too. Now, if we're hooking up the voice biomarkers to, uh, let's say, uh, some form of other monitoring device, now you're getting heart rate, they're getting a little diaphoretic, just a little bit, like you're seeing a little bit of precipitation and actually the machine knows you're precipitating more than the human eye can. For I mean, you could really, I mean, you could get to a whole another level of, uh, of measuring if someone's being honest or not, like the squinting of the eye, you know, all this stuff. Anyways, and, and again. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting off track here. I'm thinking of like, how police would use that law enforcement and that sort of stuff. But anyway, we're getting way off track. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, again, the, the, the thing is, I, I think we're going to have you on a lot um, just because I think we could talk about all these different technologies and I think it's really great to talk about it. So the, the podcast, you know, is the happy doc, right? So one of the things we're really trying to do here is to help, help uh, physicians feel more fulfilled. And one of the things we found in this journey is is one way to do it is a lot of it has to do with control and autonomy and the ability to be to be creative and the reason why i really like voice is it's it's a space where we really can find a lot of creativity and there's a lot of possibilities especially for physicians i think to get really involved so as you've started involving yourself in it what are ways that you know physicians my medical students are listening my residents what are ways that they can number one start to get educated and maybe you can do a personal plug here too, um, but start to get educated. Um, and then to think about how they could use their creativity to maybe start to help with these companies or help get involved. What are some ways you're seeing to really start to think about this as a possible space for creativity? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that it's hard to even know how to tackle that question because there's so <laughs> much that really anybody can do. I think the key thing is finding is finding something that you're interested in. And regardless of what specialty a medical student or resident is thinking they might want to go into or they're studying, th there's just, just wide open space right now. And so um, I'll give you an example. Like I do sports medicine, right? And I thought, hmm, I wonder how I can bring sports medicine into voice technology. And I sat down with some students and we created a sport concussion assessment tool that can be administered at home through a voice assistant. Wow. So... Like there are so many different things and I, because it's so wide open now, there's so many possibilities. I think you, you take some time and you think about what really excites you. And probably there is a huge opportunity in whatever that thing is right now. I think absolutely get, get educated on voice technology. Thanks for the opportunity to give a plug. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do the voicefirsthealth.com voice first health podcast where it's all about voice technology and healthcare. I mean, that's what it, that's what it is. Um, but what can I say? I, I, I think physicians, we are in a very unique, um, a very unique position right now because no, we're not coders, we're not developers, but anybody that is going to produce a really good voice application or voice skill or voice action or whatever you want to call it, that's going to really service the patient, which is ultimately what we were trying to do. 
that developer or that coder needs to be working with a physician. Mm -hmm. There's no other way. You have to have that content expert. And that's a very big theme right now in the VUI world, VUI, voice user interface world, is that yes, you need to have the coders, the developers, you need people that you need people that know how to write for voice because it's very different than writing for the web. But ultimately you need this all has to come from the content expert. And as physicians, as residents, as medical students, we are content experts for the healthcare sector, for the mm -hmm. industry. And because of that, and because it's so early, this is like ground floor. I'll often say, this is like the opportunity right now is like as if you were able to go out and buy some prime real estate now for what it cost 25 years ago. And that's the kind of the opportunity is now. So for, for those students or residents that are interested in technology, healthcare, being on the forefront, being creative, being a leader in the space, and really having, I believe, a true impact for the maybe the first time in a long time on the way we do healthcare and patients and the whole healthcare experience, this is a big opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you're saying that, I, I really do believe this. And I'm sure you're going to agree with me. I actually think it's it's almost a responsibility for us to get in early, because I think a big issue and one of the reasons we really liked doing MedFlash Go, for example, is why would you have a medical skill made by a technologist or designed by a technologist who knows nothing about medicine. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're on the grassroots, if you're in the clinic every day, you're seeing the exact things that are troubling patients, you know exactly where the money is, you know exactly where the issues lie. And I think it's really your responsibility then to think creatively of how to best manage that technology before someone else comes in from a different space and, and tries to take it over. And it's just not as effective. I think we've already seen that in our electronic medical records as an example, and we don't have to go down that route, but I just think it's, it's really an amazing time to, uh, to learn about this. And I hope, you know, people listening that they, they, they got something out of this just from the beginning, the, the start of it for, for, for someone who has, has not immersed themselves. Uh, what's, what is one thing you'd ask them to start? You, again, you could use your podcast as an example, but how did you just start to really get to know this? What would you do? To get to know the space, you mean voice, to, voice technology? To just get to know voice technology, just to start to really immerse themselves in, in, in some way. What would be a way to, to educate them? Maybe one tip. Um, yeah, I, I think it depends on your learning style. It comes back to kind of education. Um, it, you know, if you, if you like to listen to things, then I think, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of great podcasts, not just mine. I mean, there are a lot of great podcasts other about voice technology. It's, um, I'm very proud, very fortunate to say that I, I, I believe I was one of the first. There were a mm -hmm. couple other ones at the time, uh, but I've been doing it for now probably a year and a half. Um, so I've got a couple podcasts, alexaincanada.ca. Um, I cover sort of the basics of the Amazon Lexi ecosystem, if you will. Um, there is some Canadian focus, but certainly I've got tons of listeners in the United States as well, right. just to learn about, about the technology and voice first health. There are great books out there if you're, you know, if you're that type of learner. But you know, it's funny we're talking about voice technology, and when it comes to voice technology, if you're interested in it, chances are, more often than not, I found that people that are interested in it are also interested in listening to podcasts. Totally. And and so uh, I think that's a great. The other good thing is to listen to flash briefings. If you have your own um, device, um, I have a flash briefing as well where I talk about the technology. That one's actually called Voice in Canada. Um, but there's lots of other great flash briefings out there as well. My, my biggest tip is when I started with this, you know, a year and a half now, maybe, maybe almost two years ago, it was new to me. I didn't really know a lot about voice technology. It was new to everybody. It's such a new field that if you want to get involved with this, certainly like a big message is this is early. You are not too late. Yeah. Like, get in now and start learning. And within six months, you can be up to speed on a lot of what's going on. So, right. Ab absolutely. And, and you can really, start to obtain information very fast on your commute and those types of things with podcasting. Obviously people who are listening to this are podcasters. So I'd assume the best way for them to kind of get the information is going to be from podcasting. Okay. Wow. So we covered a lot of ground, but the funny thing is, is we didn't even get anywhere close. I literally like, I think we just hit the tip of the iceberg or whatever, <laughs> whatever analogy you want to use there. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, I want to thank you so much again for, for being on the Happy Doc podcast. Um, I want to give you another opportunity at this time to just give you a space to 
give the listeners any information, any anything you feel like they missed out in this conversation, something to look forward to. And again, I would love for them to have a space for them to check you out as well. So what, what is the easy way for them to check you out? That's great. Well, first of all, I'll just say like, thanks again for inviting me. I, I love what you're doing with this podcast. I think it's a great mission being able to help with some of the medical students and, and residents and doctors that are feeling burnt out. I know that's becoming an increasingly uh, bigger problem. And so um, I love what you have discovered that a lot of it has to do with autonomy and uh, creativity. And as you were saying that, I mean, I, that really resonates with me as well. So mm-hmm. congrats on your podcast. Excellent work. And thank you for letting, for allowing me to be a part of it. Also congrats to you and Neil for, um, for MedFlash Go. Cause I think you guys are on something really great there. Um, as far as where can people check me out? Well, some of those resources I've already mentioned, you can go to um, voicefirsthealth.com, which um, is, like I say, it's all about what we've been talking about, healthcare and voice technology and all aspects. And uh, the podcast there is, uh, is going strong with lots of, lots of great guests. Um, my lexincanada.ca is a good resource. Um, my flash briefing. Um, I really enjoy getting out and speaking at conferences. For people that are interested, there are some um, conferences coming up, Voice Summit, uh, the Voice of Healthcare, those are a couple of great uh, conferences for people if they're interested in checking that out. The voice uh, community tends to be really, really friendly and really welcoming, and it's uh, it's really nice to see that. Um, and if they want to just get started with voice technology and they want to learn how to how to sort of do a, a relatively easy type of Lexi skill, it would actually be a flash briefing, and you can do all kinds of neat things with flash briefing in terms of sharing your message. And I have a uh, actually a premium course that I created that's entirely free. I'm not selling it. And not make money off it. They go to flashbriefingformula.com. It's actually a great way to uh, to uh, to get started in it. Um, I think that covers it. No, yeah, please and please, you know, look, look me up on uh, Twitter, Dr. Terry Fisher, D R T E R I. It's one R one I T E R I F I S H E R. I'm happy to chat with anybody about any of the stuff they're interested. So amazing, and and we're gonna provide those links on our show notes. So as you guys are listening to this, you guys can always check out those links. And again, Dr. Terry Fisher, just an awesome conversation. Appreciate you. I'm sure we'll have you on again. Um, and thank you for your time. Thank you very much. So there you go. I, uh, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Like I said at the beginning, if you are interested in hearing the voice of more fulfilled physicians, then definitely do check out the Happy Doc podcast. And I will have links to that podcast on the show notes page. The show notes for this episode can be found at voicefirsthealth.com slash 37. That's voicefirsthealth.com slash 37. I want to take this opportunity to thank you very much for tuning in uh, this week. This was a little bit of a different type of episode, and I'd love to hear your feedback. So uh, do hit me up on Twitter, Dr. Terry Fisher, as you heard, D-R-T-E-R-I-F-I-S-H-E-R, and let me know uh, what you think. And if you enjoyed it, of course, please feel free to uh, contact Dr. Branna as well on Twitter and uh, let him know. Let him know uh, and, and thank him for, uh, for a great podcast episode. I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Have a wonderful week. Take care. Talk to you soon.